From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and it's so good to be on with you after a beautiful Thanksgiving uh, elongated weekend. How was your weekend? Was it good? Did you have enough turkey? I mean, I think uh, four days of, uh, of leftover turkey, uh, that'll pretty much do it. Pretty sure that that'll do it for the rest of the year. I think we'll do ham for Christmas, and we'll forget about turkey until next year. What do you say? I mean, uh, that, that, I'm not criticizing. I'm just explaining that uh, leftovers can only go so far. I'm just the other thing too. I would have to mention. By the way, it is Advent. It, it is not, in fact, Christmas. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, just put the Christmas lights down and back away. Take a deep breath. You'll have an opportunity in a few weeks from now to celebrate the holy season of Christmas. Until then, let's just do a little anticipation first. No matter what our neighbors are doing with Christmas lights and the Walmart or the music, I'll just just Advent. It's about anticipation. Amen. Speaking of which, anticipated great show today. Uh, it is the, in fact, second to last ever GRN Alive Monday edition in the history of planet Earth. So it's kind of a monumental show. I mean, one more to go, and then we call it done, put a fork in it, because we have a brand new thing coming, and we'll be discussing that a little bit today. But uh, our legal analyst, Brent Haynes, is back on the program today, and uh, he is going to catch us up on the the voter fraud cases. Sidney Powell, uh, she, as she said, released the Kraken. So it, what is this Kraken that she speaks of? These two lawsuits, one in Georgia, one in Michigan. There's some big claims that she's making in these documents. The question is, does her case have merit? And does she, uh, you know, achieve a preponderance of the evidence, which is what's needed in order to go to, uh, to a trial? We're going to discuss that with legal analyst Brent Haynes today, what that means. And then we'll have uh, my friend Mark Houck from the Kingsman Apostolate on, because no matter... How this case comes out, no matter who gets to become the next president of the United States, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden, no matter what that is, as Catholics, we are called to be courageous in the midst of very difficult days. What does that mean? And I think uh, Mark Houck will give us some insight there. He has a great blog post that he just released on his blog over at thekingsmen.org, and uh, we'll be discussing that with him on today's show. Plus, we have the headlines. We've got Teresa Kamara here and uh, and the team. So a big show lined up for you today, second to last ever of the GRN Live Monday edition. I know, it's sad, but uh, good things are still to come. We'll be discussing that today. But let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Tim Mott. 
43 Italian priests died in November after contracting the coronavirus, as Italy experiences a second wave of the epidemic. New containment measures were introduced at the beginning of the month, including regional lockdowns and restrictions, as curfews, shop closures, and no dining in at restaurants and bars after 6 p.m. The drug, drug maker Moderna said it would apply on Monday to the Food and Drug Administration to authorize its coronavirus vaccine for emergency use. The first injections of the vaccine may be given as early as December 21st if the process goes smoothly and approval is granted. The Supreme Court said on Wednesday night that New York state restrictions during the coronavirus pandemic are a violation of the First Amendment's protection of the free religious exercise. After the ruling, the Bishop of Brooklyn, whose diocese was a plaintiff in the suit, said that the religious worship should be considered an essential during the coronavirus pandemic. As surging COVID-19 cases lead to new restrictions in the San Francisco area, Archbishop Salvatore Cordelion said the treatment of churches is discriminatory and violates the right to worship. In a November 28th statement, he criticized a new health order from the state of California, placing San Francisco and San Mateo counties into a more restrictive tier of coronavirus restrictions, resulting in a ban on indoor worship services. The health order treats religious worship as a non-essential activity, while allowing hair and nail salons, massage parlors, and tattoo parlors to remain open. Cordelion noted, quote, This is precisely the kind of blatant discrimination to which the Supreme Court gave injunctive relief in New York, end quote. The French Bishops' Conference announced Friday that it would submit another appeal to the Council of State calling a proposed 30-person limit on public masses during Advent unacceptable. French Catholics have been without public masses since November 2nd due to France's strict second lockdown. A Nigerian archbishop has asked for prayers for the safe release of a priest kidnapped in Abuja earlier this week. Father Matthew Dajo was kidnapped on Sunday night. Police are currently working to negotiate his release, the Archdiocesan spokesman, Father Patrick Alumuko, told Catholic News Agency on November 27th. And finally, Pope Francis has asked people to pray for Ethiopia's Tigray region, where the United Nations has said that a full-scale humanitarian crisis is unfolding. Weeks of, of violence in the Tigray region have led to the deaths of hundreds of civilians and forced tens of thousands of people to flee from their homes towards Sudan. For more news from a Catholic perspective, visit catholicnewsagency.com. St. Joseph Marchand, pray for us. Born in France in 1803, ordained to the priesthood in 1821, he studied at the Paris Society of Foreign Missions and was assigned to a mission in Vietnam, which he, he loved and he embraced it. Uh, he was so successful that they wanted to make him uh, the head of the Foreign Mission Seminary in Paris, but he declined. He preferred to stay in Vietnam, in the mission field, baptizing and converting and uh, spreading Christianity. Uh, but in 1833, a royal decree came down and all of the European missionaries were uh, arrested, sought out, and uh, arrested. He was among those. Well, he was tortured. They put him in a cage, and they tortured and mutilated him. And on uh, 30 November 1835, he was finally martyred for the uh, for the faith. It was very gruesome, actually. They took red-hot tongs, and they ripped the flesh from his body. And eventually, they chopped him up and threw him into the sea. Now, why do I tell you such gruesome details? Uh, I think it's important not to gross you out or to freak you out. 
about, but to give you uh, a sense that these missionaries, uh, the patrimony of our incredible tradition of the church, the, the saints that have gone before us, they gave everything to spread the gospel uh, far and wide to the four corners. Even their own members of their body did not outweigh the priorities of sharing the good, the true, and the beautiful with those people who need to hear it, because God loves every human being on planet Earth. Uh, he wants to send us to be that messenger of the good news. And we must be resolute in our desire to share that with the world, even to the point of martyrdom like St. Joseph uh, Marchand, who, again, was martyred in Thauduk in Saigon, 1835, and St. Joseph Marchand, pray for us. Good morning, Teresa Kamara. Good morning, Joe. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? It was an awesome Thanksgiving. Yeah. I actually got to celebrate Thanksgiving twice. Twice? So, yeah, with my immediate mean- family and then a little bit with my extended family. So oh. it was very nice. I thought you were going to say you ate leftovers. And <laughs> it's always a celebration. I am a big believer in using the freezer unit instead of growing <laughs> feathers myself. <laughs> you know, uh, we had a, a wonderful low-key, uh, not very eventful uh Thanksgiving meal just with the family, which was quite nice, actually. Uh, it's like sort of, I always feel guilty. I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something else, being more productive with my time, but it kind of felt nice to just hang out and, and just uh, not have any real projects on the plate. One of the things I learned pretty um, a couple years ago that, that really stuck with me during this Thanksgiving was the importance of taking that time to just be with people, yeah, you know, and how much that means, especially to, to the children. Um, I got a chance to see my nieces. And um, at one point I was texting my, my aunt and mm. um, I'm looking at my niece and she's like, Aunt Teresa, can you please come play with me? You know, and I was like, of course I'm going to play with you. Give, just yeah. give me one second so I can respond to my aunt, you know? Yeah. And so it was, it was neat. It was a neat experience to be, to see that, that generation of love and just being able to, to be with those people and, and really be present to take mm-hmm. that time and to pray with them and to enjoy the meal with them and to cook Amen. with them. So, yeah, Amen. Well, before we jump into the headline news, uh, just a reminder, we're going to have uh, legal analyst Brent Haynes on the program to talk about the City Powell cases. Uh, and there's been some uh, new uh, information coming out of PA. Apparently, the, the Pennsylvania legislature is taking control of the um, of the delegates and how they are chosen for their state. So that's a very interesting turn of events. All that's coming up. Plus, Mark Houck from the King's Men is going to be on. We're going to be talking about courage, courage in the face of difficulty and confusion. And and ultimately, whoever becomes president, it doesn't matter. As Catholics, we are called to pray, to fast, to do penance for the conversion of the world. That mission does not change no matter the outcome. So all that's coming up. But I want to mention a couple things. Tomorrow morning, we launch our Christmas share I know. I know. I said the word Christmas. It's really Advent, but just go with me here, okay, for a moment. Well, Advent is the preparation for Christmas. That's yes. what the end goal is. So if you're if you're so focused on the yeah. penance that you're yeah. forgetting mm-hmm. the end yeah. game, yeah. then what's the point? Play Advent music, <laughs> not Christmas. I'm just saying. There's Advent hymns. Did you know that there are Advent Do you know Advent how much hymns? penance there is in putting up Christmas lights? <sighs> For the record, I've been prepared for Christmas since uh, Candlemas of last year. For the record, I never took down Christmas lights, so I'm really the first person prepared for Christmas, just so you know. I'm just saying. Anyway, I'm still eating Thanksgiving leftovers tonight, and I am prepared for Christmas. In preparation for the gift giving to those that are Christ in your life. So So, that's my defense. And then tomorrow is Giving Tuesday, as they say, so why not give to the Guadalupe Radio Network when we launch our Christmas share-a-thon? We've got an incredible program 
program lined up for you for the next four days. Don't uh, don't uh, don't miss this. It's a great opportunity to uh, get some uh, op, you know just to be a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network family. We have tons of new content interviews that we've lined up for you. We have some wonderful things to send to say thank you for your generous gifts. All that launches tomorrow at seven a.m. goes to Friday at seven p.m. That is the Christmas Shareathon. So I hope you'll stick around for that. Uh, but uh, today is the second to last ever GRN Live Monday show. Uh, next Monday, December the 7th, will be the final and final ever last never again heard. I'm trying to think of more words oh I could throw goodness, in there. It's so of dramatic. The, how dramatic can I make this? <laughs> of the GR Live Monday edition show. And it, it, we're going, we're going to blow it all up. You remember the end of uh, Little House on the Prairie, the very last episode, how they destroyed the entire town? What? I we should do that. I'm still that. watching it with my sister. Uh, spoiler alert. spoiled yeah, the whole TV show. Spoiler alert. That was a very sad they, show. They detonated the okay, entire we're town. Not gonna, we're not going to detonate Should we do that? I think we should. we set off fireworks made with those kinds of explosions? Okay. All, all kidding aside, uh, GR Live comes to an end next Monday, December the seventh. Tune in; it'll be a special show. Uh, we'll we'll have uh, some remembering of good times. But the good news is, December the ninth, we are launching the Catholic Drive Time, which is a two-hour version of GR Live Monday. But it also runs Monday through Friday. It's a brand new d- daily two-hour morning drive time show bringing you news and breaking stories from a Catholic perspective, interesting guests, and so much more. Plus, we have the best ever uh, Catholic trivia game show in radio history on the program. It's called Fear and Trembling, and we're giving away prizes. And so that's a Monday through Friday thing. It launches December the 9th. I hope you'll be a part of that. So tune in next Monday for the very final the big last episode the where big we will finale. blow up the studio. Uh, <laughs> we can't blow up the studio we we're going to expand to two hours show every day. Okay. They can tune in every single day, and you can tune back over because I actually listen to both of the shows. Man, 6 a.m. is really early. Really early. So for those that don't, <laughs> yeah. aren't ready to turn on the radio, it's 6 a.m. because you're still kind of waking up and processing and praying or whatever you're doing. You know, you can also come back to it and look at And oh my gosh, y'all had yeah. amazing lineup. Y'all had Bree Dale. Yeah, we're going to have some good Christine shows. Y'all had Christine Niles so, already. We'll talk about that next week more, but I just want to give you a heads up on that. Right now, I want to get into the pro-life news because coming up here yes. in about uh, seven minutes from now, legal analyst Brent Haynes will be on with us to give us the the latest and greatest information on all of the voter fraud suits. But, uh, Teresa, what's going on in the pro-life world? So, fortunately, we did have some good news. Um, Earlier this month, um, abortionist Donald Willis from Family Planning Associates Women's Health in California has released his medical license under pressure. Um, He... In 2017, he seriously injured six women um, in nine months, um, and they ended up having to be transported to the hospital with complications, life-threatening complications. Three of them filed a formal complaint, and uh, or at least three of them had a formal complaint filed about them. And uh, they, you know, he has now released his medical license, so he will not be doing abortions in the state of California. Um, he also cannot practice, from what I understand, in the state of Oregon because he uh, attempted suicide um, there in the 90s. And so we just need to pray that he will not go try to move to another state. Sometimes abortionists just move and then they try to reset up their practice. So uh, Dr. Willis is his name if you happen to find out about that. Um, hopefully he, instead he will look for healing um, through abortionworker.com and he'll have that come to Jesus moment because 
Uh, we all need to experience that love of the Savior who is there for each one of us. So abortionworker.com if you know an abortionist or another worker that wants to leave the abortion industry and find healing. Um, also, on Monday, there was a judge that ruled from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans that Texas and Louisiana can defund Planned Parenthood, um, which is wonderful news. Um, the the judge, I believe it was Judge Owens, who wrote the majority opinion, stated um, that women can choose which of the um, which of the state approved. Uh, providers will actually be able to receive the Medicaid funds, but that doesn't mean that you can just pick anyone and that they can, you know, even if the person can practice uh, the medical, can practice medicine in the state, they Medicaid program does not have to go to everyone. And um, I love the fact that uh, Texas Attorney General Paxton pointed specifically to the David Delight and videos um, from Center for Medical Progress that revealed the sale of the baby body parts and how mm. Planned Parenthood should not be trusted because of this illegal activity that still um, they are somehow managing to dodge in the legal system. Um, so um, also on Wednesday, so that was Monday, then Wednesday two Arkansas senators proposed uh, Senate Bill 6 uh that is to create an Arkansas Unborn Child Protection Act and that will ban all abortions across the state of Arkansas except for the life of the mother, which Live Action actually put out a great video with neonatologist Dr. Kendra Kolb um, that specifically goes through the fact that no abortion ever needs to happen. Um, there's no, There's never a medical reason to have an abortion. If a woman has a complication with her pregnancy where she is, her life is in danger, they can um, deliver the child. There is a way to deliver the child. If it's a late term baby, there is a chance that the, uh, that the baby can survive outside the womb after 21 weeks. That's the earliest that they have been able to have survive outside the womb. Um, a C-section takes one hour. A late term abortion in that situation takes two to three days. I mean, what do you think is going to be easier on the woman's body? And then psychologically and hormonally, there's there's a whole lot of other uh, factors involved here. So um, please pray for that. And then on Friday, the CDC put out stats that, um, and LifeSite News reported on it that the U.S. has hit an all-time low. Um, more babies saved from abortion than ever. And um, there are... Um, less abortions being done in 2018 than previous years. So, wow. so praise the Lord for that. We'll just keep on praying and keep on working. Um, if you know anyone who's struggling with a crisis pregnancy or if you want to get involved um, in helping these women, check out optionline.org, optionline.org. And uh, there is a huge international uh, network. And so... So, yeah, we pray, continue to pray for all life to be protected from the moment of conception until natural death. Wow. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, some good news in the pro-life front there. Mm-hmm. We're Amen. very excited about that. Also, 40 yeah. Days for Life International is beginning sign-ups tomorrow. So if you want to do a 40 Days for Life outside of your local abortion facility in Houston, there's several actually going on. Several locations are being prayed outside of already. But if you want to start one in your area, wherever you are, um, International 40 Days for Life, you can sign up tomorrow, 40 Days for Life. Well, we will uh, have to get Sean Carney back, president of 40 Days for Life. We've had him on several times on the show uh, to give us an update on that. He'll probably become a contributor to our brand new expansion of this show. Because somebody just asked, why are you canceling the show? We're not. We're we're, we're expanding this. Okay, part of it is because you imagine every single day... 
It's more practical, like two hours plus another hour and a half. Joe, they want to hear you for three and a half hours No, they don't want to hear me, that's for sure. (laughs) But it's the information that we get to cover. We get to be more um, expansive in the Mm -hmm. opportunity to cover breaking stories from a Catholic perspective and look for interesting guests that you don't hear all the time on on Catholic radio. So we'll be doing more of that through this new Catholic drive time effort. It's really a GRN Alive Monday 2.0. So we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. Are you going to let me come back? Yes, you'll be our regular uh, pro-life <laughs> contributor, so I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. You, you do have to get up at 3.15 in the morning. but I actually don't have to wake up that early. I don't take that long to get prepared. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank goodness. Joining us in studio, though, is a uh, uh, legal analyst and political uh, analyst, Brent Haynes, a good friend of mine. Brent, it's good to have you back on the show. Hey, it's good to be back, Joe. Thanks. I know this is a historic occasion as we come to the... Do me a favor and bring that mic nice and close. A, yeah, there you go. I know this is a historic occasion on the next to last show. You know, I ha- okay, some truth in advertising, Brent, before we jump into the Sydney Powell release of The Kraken, uh, which I thought was brilliant on her part to... Uh, to garner headlines is to talk about releasing the Kraken. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. I have to say, truth in advertising, we had some audience members not happy with you the last time you were on. They, they felt like you, you, were, you were being too realistic and, uh, and uh, doubting whether or not uh, President Trump will actually win all of this. And they just they didn't hear that. They, they wanted to know that things were going to be all right. And well, uh, they felt uh, they felt a little nervous after listening to the last interview. Well, things are going to be all right, but that's because <laughs> that's because we don't have our hope in the political system. Amen. Right? Praise Amen. Jesus. Well said, Brent Haynes. Good to good well, comeback. Also, there. and some people are very optimistic, and they're going to drive it home like we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win until we don't win, or until we yeah. do win. And then there's some people that are like, let's be, let's look at the facts. And I'm just going to say, it is what it is. it is what it is. And, and in our next guest coming up here at about 37 after the hour, we're going to be talking with Mark Halk about, irregardless of who wins this, we have a mission as Catholics that does not change. Absolutely. And we'll discuss that coming up with Mark Halk from the Kingsmen. But first, let's dive into this with Brent Haynes. So, uh, Sydney Powell files two lawsuits, Georgia, Michigan. She's claiming a lot, and she's asking the court to do a lot. Can you give us a summary? Yeah, first, this is these are such widespread and extraordinary claims that we can't do it justice in just a few minutes. In fact, we couldn't do it justice if we spent the whole hour on this. Mm-hmm. Um, her filings in, in Georgia and Michigan uh, were nearly 100 pages in one case and uh, over 100 pages in the Georgia case. And that's not including the exhibits. Yeah. So any listener who wants to really dive into this um, can find these pleadings online. People who want to look at the exhibits uh, might want to go to uh, courtlistener.com or type in courtlistener.com, Sydney Powell exhibits. Yeah. You should be able to see them. But she is, she's, making extraordinary, she's making extraordinary claims. Um, there are two main categories. One is uh, the problems that a lot of people were talking about before the election, which is fear that there would be uh, extensive fraud with the massive amounts of mail-in voting, because mm-hmm. we had historic amounts of mail-in voting. The other main category, and the one that's really catching the headlines, for better or worse, is her claim that the voting software, uh, and that the company involved in the voting software, referred to as Dominion, um, designed a software that, was, that could be accessible, and was actually designed to be accessible and to allow the manipulation of votes. The claim is that it was originally created for Hugo Chavez down in Venezuela yeah. years ago. And, of course, that's an extraordinary claim 
when a lawyer comes in and says that that kind of software has been used in an American election. In fact, I think it was uh, in her claims that she has two expert witnesses in cybersecurity with incredible uh, credentials uh, working for you know the intelligence agency in the Department of Defense, uh, PhDs from you know MIT and, and many accredited universities around the, the country. So not. Uh, not people you can dismiss very easily, and they are a part of this. They have exhibits as part of this uh, case as well. And in one of them, I think he's got like a 17-page exhibit that uh, he is purporting that proves how China and Iran were able to access these uh, these voting machines and be able to either just see the data and or manipulate the data. That's kind of a big claim as well. They're extraordinary claims, Joe, and the, the real shame is that uh – as a matter of of public interest, uh, this should be discussed um, intelligently. It should be investigated and discussed fairly. Um, and if it turns out that they aren't true, then they will be dismissed, and Sidney Powell's reputation is severely well, let's, harmed. Let's talk but, about that for a second, because I think uh, the mainstream media has been touting that there's no basis in any of these claims. That's number one. Sydney Powell is not a fly-by-night. She's not an Alex Jones type right. of a person. She doesn't wear a tinfoil hat. She's a very serious attorney. Uh, she's putting everything on the line. She could be disbarred if if, if she's really lying or, or just falsifying or, or doing something really fraudulent. This is very serious for her. The other thing, too, is the affidavits uh, that they, she has so many of them now. Every one of those people is also putting their name on the line. They could go to jail if they are caught lying, correct? Well, technically, somebody could go to jail for filing an affidavit uh, that contains known falsehoods. That would be perjury. These um, are typical expert affidavits. Um, all lawyers who deal in litigation, especially civil litigation, deal with these at one time or another. When you look at the affidavits, often at the beginning, they will state the uh, declarance or the affiance um, credentials. And these people do have some extraordinary credentials. Uh, one of the people who provided an affidavit um, is a professor Appel or Apple from Princeton University, you know, the esteemed Ivy League, somebody who normally would be lauded by the mainstream media, certainly if you were on the other side of the issue. And he said that uh, the Dominion software or Dominion machines are vulnerable and that all you needed was seven minutes alone and a screwdriver. And then he wow. said he he had written a computer yeah. program. And the pleadings go into, supported by the affidavits, the pleadings go into how the system is vulnerable. They don't just say it's vulnerable. They talk about uh, optical scanner vulnerabilities. They talk about the uh, computer memory and operating system. They talk about the chips or the memory cards, which which are not always, you know, the same on in, in the system, apparently. Uh, now, having said all of that, in terms of the question of whether or not there is evidence, mm. Sidney Powell is in civil court. She's filing this as a civil lawsuit, which is where system is designed. When people say, uh, well, where is the evidence? Where is the evidence? First of all, when you file a lawsuit, you don't bring all of your evidence. Now, I'm not saying that that's a good strategy here. I, I, I think that Sidney Powell should have – she's brought a lot of evidence. All those exhibits are there online for you to see them. They've been filed in court. Um, but she perhaps could have brought more. You know, she has gone on TV. She's on Newsmax, and and um, she Maybe will that make has a, to do with time limitations. 
Well, look, it's been three weeks, and no doubt well, that was one of the criticisms. The clock in the Michigan but, suit. There's a lot of typos and misspellings, which I know to an attorney is like is the it is the eighth sin, right? You can't yeah, it, have typos and misspellings. It's so unprofessional. She's been slammed for that, but. I think the argument here is she had to do a mountain wor- worth of work in no time at all because there's a deadline that she's facing. Well, because like Steve Mosier was saying, there's hundreds of people coming forward with affidavits. But the thing is, you have to make sure they're legitimate, too, which is why it's important that she has these IT guys that have, you know, they're showing the IP address. Well, the, connections. The, we can say this much about the affidavits and the claims and the evidence that have brought so far. She has, she has uh, there are the two main categories of, of criticisms. Uh, mail-in balloting and problems there. For example, with the mail-in balloting, as President Trump himself said, the recount in Georgia doesn't mean anything if they're not verifying signatures. Yeah. She goes mm. into the problems with how Georgia, probably unconstitutionally, mm. changed the voting laws without the legislature doing it. That's which definitely is, in the claim. Which is also what happened in Pennsylvania. We have become increasingly in this so country. So just for clarity's sake, we have a, a, just about five more minutes with Brent Haynes here ta- discussing the voter fraud suits. So the the... the case goes like this. The Democrats before the election sued uh, uh, what's his name? Rathelsberger or whatever his name is. Brent, I think his name is, uh, in Georgia in order to force him yes. to use these new rules. Yes. In spite of what the legislature, leg- legislature in Georgia set up, these, the Democrats sued to have different rules uh, imposed for the, uh, the vote. That would make it easier for voter fraud to take place. And so Sidney Powell is saying, look, they're using rules that aren't even in line with what the Georgia state legislature set up. This is a clear issue here Yes, as part of her case. Yeah, look, the most extraordinary claims in this case come down to the claim that there was purposeful and really widespread uh, computer manipulation to create uh, fraudulent vote results. And let's face it, if you can access a computer and add one vote or ten votes, you can probably access many more votes. Mm -hmm. Now, she has these affidavits from these experts. Now, here's an important point. The experts describe how the system might be able to be vulnerable, how they've discovered that these systems are vulnerable in the past. But they haven't explained, and nobody can at this point prove that this was actually done in this case. Now, that's why you file a lawsuit, and that's why you get information from the other side when you proceed with the lawsuit. That's called discovery, assuming the court allows discovery, and it's a normal part of civil litigation that all lawyers do. In this case, the discovery, part of what the, the discovery that Sidney Powell wants is to seize the voting machines with yeah. the computer chips unwiped. Yeah, good luck. And, well, and there was a ruling just last, last night. Just mm-hmm. yesterday, I, I believe. Uh, certainly, it was it was over the weekend. At first, the judge, and this is a judge appointed by George H. George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Remember, in Georgia, we have the Republican governor, Republican Secretary of State, who's in charge of elections, and this is a Republican appointed federal judge. He issued an order granting Sidney Powell's request to seize the voting machines, and to, and he and his order included the the requirement that the memories not be wiped or the chips not be wiped. Hours later, he came back and he rescinded that order. And wow. here, here's why. Sidney Powell, and this is important, too. Sidney Powell doesn't represent President Trump. Yes, that's correct. Uh, you, a lot of listeners might have been following this closely probably know that after the extraordinary press conference with Rudolph Giuliani and Sidney Powell, 
um, over a week ago. Uh, the White House, uh, the Trump campaign basically fired her. You know, they said in their words were she's practicing law on her own. Um, and apparently that was because she ref- the allegation is she refused to share uh, information and evidence with them. Regardless, um, she is very clever. She's a smart lawyer. She's accomplished. Yeah, she is she's rep- very astute. She represents the people who would be electors for the Republican presidential nominee and vice presidential nominee mm. in Georgia if Trump had won in Georgia. So in legal terms, that's probably she's probably got standing okay. legitimacy. We're, we're going to run out of time yeah, here. One thing I would like you to answer is, from my from my understanding, she has to overcome two things to get her day in court. Right? She has to have she has to prove that the case has merit, and that she has a preponderance of the evidence. Now, and as far as that goes, she only has to prove that the there's enough evidence to suggest that 51 percent there's doubt. Uh, you know, or she has to prove that. 51% there's possible fraud going on here. That's the preponderance of the evidence as far as, uh, as I understand it. Can you speak to that? Well, she has that. That's generally correct. She, the, the preponderance of the evidence is the burden of proof. And it's even, if in terms of, in quantitative mathematical terms, it's even less than 51%. It's 50% plus a little bit more. So sometimes just over see, half. So in other words, just over half. So like a reasonable doubt, you know, or reasonable. in a murder case, you got to go pretty far to prove. She doesn't have to go that far. She doesn't have to go anywhere near that far. What she has to do, what any lawyer has to do when they go into court for an injunction, is they have to prove that they have a right to the relief. They have to prove that they would probably prevail, that they're likely to prevail on the merits, meaning the judge says, okay, if I let your case go forward, I think there's a good chance that you will succeed. Mm. And she, and they have to prove that there is irreparable harm if the judge doesn't grant the temporary injunction, because what you ask for first is a temporary injunction. In this case, what she is saying as part of it is, seize those machines, don't let them wipe the memory, and then, judge, when we have a full trial, I will prove to you that you were right to have seized the machines. And in the meantime, in order to prove my case, I need to do discovery on those machines. Yeah. This is very complex, though. For one thing, this is, this is really a, the, the fir- these are cases the first of their kind because we haven't used computers and software for elections in the United States uh, for that long. Remember back in Florida, what was the famous issue? Hanging chads. We used motorized or sort of semi-computerized, mechanized voting, but you still had that paper ballot there. Yeah. Uh, to give you an example of how complex this is, uh, the judge first said that the machines with the computer chips had to be, had to be seized. The defendants came back and said, look, we're the state of Georgia, but we don't control the machines. Mm-hmm. Sidney Powell didn't see this election law is very complex. Elections are generally carried out by local officials, usually county level officials. The state of Georgia said, look, the machines are in the control of the county. We can't do anything about this. And so the judge reversed his decision. Wow. There's nothing to prevent the local county officials in Georgia from disposing of the machines or wiping the computer memories. And the results in Georgia have already been certified. So, yeah, it's part of her her uh, appeal to the court is to get them to decertify those results. That is part that that is one of the uh, remedies she's asking. We're out for. of time. We're out of time. I, I want to suggest to the audience that you look up a video on YouTube. Uh, search for CNN businesses 
uh, search the CNN business account for We Watched Hackers Break Into Voting Machines. A uh, President Obama uh, security advisor brought together hackers in 2017 to see how easy it was to hack these Dominion uh, voting machines, and it was incredibly easy. Less than a minute was all that was needed to get in there and manipulate these machines, even change votes. Uh, check that video out, CNN uh, Business Channel. You'll find it uh, very fascinating as part of this conversation. The fact is, there is some great risk and vulnerability here. Sydney Powell should have her day in court. She could win. She could lose. Either way, let's take it to court and find out. Brent Haynes, thanks for being on today. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Joe. All right. We'll be right alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. I had known about the station for a long time, but I have to confess I never tuned in. Perhaps I was biased, but then that changed. Actually, once I started listening, I, I, I kept the dial where it was at. I like Teresa Tamio and Al Crest. I just like their personalities. Call the Communion with Dr. David Anders and uh, More to Life with Pop Checks. I really, really love the show. I've learned a lot. But you know, also, I, I really like there's prayers interspersed. I get a lot more praying done in the day that I wouldn't otherwise. We want to support the radio station for sure. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio. Radio for your soul. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. Families pray for each other. We would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. If you have an old gas guzzler you want to get rid of, the Guadalupe Radio Network would love to have it. To donate it to us, you can either call 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Again, that's 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Even better, we'll come pick it up for you and give you a tax receipt so you can write it off. What a great way to help others and support the Guadalupe Radio Network. May God abundantly bless you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday, second to the last ever GRN Alive Monday before we blow the whole thing up in uh, Little House in the Prairie style. <laughs> no, we're not going to do Little House in did the Prairie style. Did you watch that episode? Yes, I did. And it the guy great. took over. Okay, so <laughs> for those who haven't seen it, the idea is that uh, somebody came in and basically was trying to capitalize on their They said their they owned property, all the land. And he said he owned all the land. And so he was trying to get them all to work for him in this like communi- communistic yeah, situation. Yeah. And he was yeah. way overcharging. And so they said, well, rather than me giving over all of my hard work mm-hmm. and all of my earnings mm-hmm. to you and basically becoming your 
slave, um, your peon, yeah. will blow up our land first. And, and they move. blew it all up. And they did. Yeah. We're not doing that. Okay. We're not handing Contractually, over the cards. They we're had having to, a big finale with fireworks. They had to blow the whole throwing. set up because the people who owned the ranch they were filming on, it was part of the contract that when the show was over, they could leave nothing behind. And so they blew everything up as part of the story. I like that. We may do that next week on Monday. <laughs> December the 7th is the final episode of Jaren Live Monday. And already I've got a, a, a mystery guest lined up to be on that program. So uh, tune in next Monday for the very final ever on the, the grand finale with Great Explosion of uh, Jaren Live Monday as we launch into it's a part brand of new, new Year's for Advent. Two hour <laughs> Monday through Friday Catholic Drive Time show. It's really G, it's really GRN Live 2.0. That's what we're talking about. Go. But anyway, let's uh, jump on with our guest right now, Mark Houck from the Kingsman Apostolate, all the way from North Philly, joining the program again. Mark, it's good to have you back with us. I thought it was 1978 again when you started talking about Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> you, you, you grew up with that, right? I mean, like, we watched I that did, as kids. Brother. I'm your age. <laughs> you look, you're looking great. I've got you on live video. If you're not hanging out with us on live video today, do that. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and on YouTube. Just search for at GRN online, and you can see Father Christmas here, uh, Mark Houck from, uh, from Philly. <laughs> you're looking good there, Mark. You, you're going to dress yeah. up this year for the, ch- the children? Is that what we're going on with? I put the bifocals on, and I I put a red sweatshirt on. I look I look just like Saint Nick. All right, praise Jesus. Well, you know, my wife bought a Saint Nick, uh, actual Bishop Nicholas outfit. Uh, we're not into Santa Claus. We're into Bishop Nicholas. That's our thing. Do you have a crozier? We do. Mm, we we have the full outfit. Anyway, let's talk about Thanksgiving in. Uh, and did you have a good time with Thanksgiving, Mark, with your family? I know in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, you had some pretty draconian lockdown procedures for Thanksgiving. How did that go with you? Right. Well, we ignored all of that and <laughs> uh, proceeded to just uh, celebrate Thanksgiving as our family, just our immediate family. But the, the recommendation was to go outside, which it was a glorious day. It was a beautiful day. But we, uh, we had a beautiful uh, dinner with the family and the kids. So it was nine of us. I think we were in violation of the of the capacity uh just with our immediate family we're in violation so don't tell anyone i won't i won't mention a thing to anyone (laughs) Uh, safe here you know we live in very interesting times we were just having a conversation with brent haynes about the sydney powell lawsuits and and uh and whatnot and you know i think donald trump has even leaked it that he may launch his 2024 campaign on the day that Joe Biden is inaugurated president, uh, to kind of give us a hint of how they're thinking about of all of, all of this, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of 2008 when uh, Barack Obama became president of the United States, and I thought how disappointing to to elect a man so against the against life. And uh, at the time, he was still pro traditional marriage. He would flip flop on that issue later, sure. but it was the pro life issue that really struck me as how could we how could we intentionally elect a president uh, so against the uh, babies in the womb. And I was very discouraged by that. And I launched a uh, website called convertobama.com. You were a part of that. You're one of 500 people that signed up with me to pray and to fast for the conversion of our president. Uh, it sounds like we might need another opportunity like that. What, what do you think, Mark? Well, I was with you. I enjoyed that. I know you were getting up at three o'clock in the morning, uh, uh, fasting and praying for President Obama. And that was uh, meritorious. We know those prayers were answered, uh, maybe not in our time, but in another, another way in God's time. But I would say this, you know, one of the things that happened during President Obama's campaign, again, God works all things for the good, for those who love him or are called according to his purpose. But 
during the Obama administration, as, as much as the pro-life movement initially lamented over his presidency, uh, there was so much wonderful pro-life legislation that came through uh, throughout all of the union because of the House, because of the, the, the pro-life House that we had. We were able to initiate a lot of good. So there's a bit of a paradigm here because we have a similar setup if President so-called elect Biden is president, then um, then we might have that same opportunity to bring forth a lot of great legislation like the, the heartbeat bill that was put forward or in South Dakota, all the wonderful things that were done there. Um, we need to secure when when we do get Roe v. Wade overturned, we need to secure at the state level all these laws that that happened during the Obama administration that were protecting babies at the state level. So that still needs to get fleshed out further. I'm hopeful that if that if this is truly the our president for the next four years, that we'll have some good come in that way. Again, mm. God doing a bit of an end around with it. But, uh, you know, he can do he can work with anybody, can't he, Joe? <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. He, uh, he's tolerated me so far. Anyway, uh, we're talking with Mark Kalk from the Kingsman Apostolate. Um, you know, over the weekend, there was this great video that was being passed around the interwebs. Facebook is where I saw it. And I think it's an Italian film and it's black and white. It's, uh, the scene is there's soldiers attending a holy mass in a field and the priest has a temporary altar set up and he's beginning the prayers of consecration when they are attacked by the enemy and the men are all fleeing for their lives to run and cover and, and hide. But the priest, once you've started the Holy Mass, you can't stop, no matter what. And so he he continues under bombardment of bombs and, and machine gun fire going off. He continues, and he's visibly shaken and scared, but he does not fail from his task to consecrate the Holy Eucharist there. And I saw this, and I don't know what film this was, I, I don't speak the language, but I was so struck by this image, and I, the thought occurred to me, my kids expect this level of courage from me. If a man were to kick the door down, he they would expect me to stand there and fight this person. They would expect me to stand my ground, to defend them, to do what's right, irregardless of the surroundings and the craziness. They want me to be courageous, uh, whether I'm up to the task or not. Uh, but I also feel like I expect that same level of courage from our clergy. Um, Mark, how do you feel about that? Well, first of all, that video was inspiring. I had never seen it before, and uh, I got goosebumps watching it. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the priest, as he was at the altar, the actor, whoever it was, was shuddering every time the bombs were going off. So it's like it's not like he was uh, not aware of his situation, totally obtuse, you know. So when we go into battle or, or in this spiritual warfare, you know, you know, there, there is a degree of trepidation. There is a degree of concern, yet we move forward nonetheless uh, and that's, you know, that's our courage. That's our fortitude. You know, for, courage is not an absence of fear. Mm. And whether we're talking about a, a, a presidency for the next four years, it's okay to have fear as to what might happen, but let it be a motivator. And for me, you know, if, if I'm, I have the threat of someone invading my home, that's a motivation to protect my home. That's a motivation to, to put up uh, the walls that I need to have up to protect my family. I think we need to do that. Uh, and as you said, you know, we, we certainly need the 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 counsel and the summons. That's probably the better word, the summons from the pulpit. Unfortunately, we're not getting much of that. So your programs like yours and our apostolate, you know, we, we have to really sound the trumpet in this regard 
um, and not flee from that battle scene. Well, and I'm thinking about how like the layman's part role in that, because the thing is like, yeah, we had that. It was a very powerful clip from that movie, you know, seeing the priest who um, he's not to stop mass and he wasn't going to. And each time the bomb would miss him and hit the ground, you know, and you're seeing debris going. And it reminded me of why. I have been told by various um, people that like masses were not approved in certain locations and I and it because they can't just up and move the altar to safety. They can't just pause and say, OK, we're going to restart in 15 minutes or we're going to continue in 15 minutes. We're going to take a quick break because someone's in danger because there's a problem. No, like you'll see people that come out now and stand outside of churches or stand inside of churches and hold, you know, put put barriers at the doorways to prevent people from coming in during mass because the priest can't, is not going to stop. Like it's the layperson's right. job to defend him. So whenever you have people who are coming in and they're like, Oh my gosh, he came in and he just slugged somebody. Like, you know what? You're lay people. Don't just stand there. Expect the priest to do something. <laughs> like it's the priest's job to continue with mass. He's going to bring you Jesus. Yeah. Like, it's you know it's you it's your turn also as lay people it's our turn it's my turn you know as a lay person to step forward and that may be as simple as like wow there goes someone carrying the eucharist to the back of the church because they're receiving jesus in the hand you know go go get stop them go say you know give me jesus and and receive them in your in your own mouth or if you or if you're like oh no they they received him in their mouth and then they took him out of their mouth which i have seen then you would take that that consecrated host you take jesus back to the priest and he will be able to um to basically cause the the host to dissolve you know or sometimes the priest will receive it himself which at this point probably would not be a safe situation so so Mm. but as far as like being able to to handle the situation appropriately so what in your who in your church is in charge of security that those conversations are happening right now when you see antifa come nearby i remember joe you were at the church yeah. You you showed up. There were men who were fun. on guard overnight, yeah. and and during mass, you know, like who are the people? If if you feel called to to stand strong with your parish, in that in that regard, talk to their security Amen. team. We're talking to Mark Hauk from the King's Men Apostolate. It's a uh, uh, masculine uh, ministry that is so incredible. It's been a joy to volunteer for them for many years now. Uh, retreats and small groups and just so much. I encourage you to check it out. TheKingsMen.org. Uh, we have about, uh, you know, another seven minutes on the clock before we have to say goodbye to our radio audience. And I just wanted to mention, we've had a few people ask for the link to the video clip that I've been mentioning. It is a, a film that is in a foreign language, one I do not speak. Spanish. You don't, he, Spanish? Is it Spanish? I thought yeah. it was Italian at first, but. It's uh, Spanish. The pre, the, the soldier runs up to him and says, uh, tell father to hurry up and finish mass. And then the server, who's also a soldier, says, uh, he cannot. And then they all run off, and the server stays behind, and then the priest stays and says mass. It's scripting. I did post a link to it, so if you're wanting to see that, you can either search for it on uh, Facebook. But if you go to our Facebook.com forward slash GRN online page in the comments for this live video feed here, I posted a link to it so you can watch it for yourself. Mark, uh, I, I go back to thinking about the, the current difficulties, the pandemic or the riots or this election, as far as the church is responding to it. 
um, I see so many opportunities where the church could act in, in, in heroic and, and uh, supernatural faith, and I see very pragmatic, very practical responses. And it kind of discourages me, because as a dad, as I said be- at the beginning of this conversation, my kids expect more from me, and I expect more from the church. Um, um, what, what, what are you thinking here about that? Well, we should. We should expect more from ourselves, and we should expect more from our shepherds. Uh, today's the Feast of St. Andrew. I mean, we, we talk, talk about a, a shepherd, talk about mm-hmm. uh, an apostle cutting the, the mold of Christ, uh, embraces his cross. You know, we, we have to do the same. And so as, as heads of our domestic church, as you and I have, will often tell men, we're bishop of our home. We must conduct ourselves uh, in the manner in which our flock, our family, our immediate family are our most important priority. And so whether we're getting the right teaching or the wrong teaching out of the pulpit, mm. we clarify that. Let's say I'm at, I'm at my parish and I hear some heresy. I may not stand up and yell heretic, but I, you better believe I'm going to, com- I'm going to communicate <laughs> to my children yeah. that what was said is not what we believe. Yeah. In other words, don't be afraid not to contradict the priest, which is, it certainly is, but don't be afraid to clarify what he may be confused upon or what he may be watering down. Uh, we we have too much theology that's been watered down, and our children are receiving that. And frankly, uh, unfortunately, in our seminaries, I, recently there was a, I just got an email link to a dialogue in our seminary here in Philadelphia. Joe, this is going to blow you away. Our dialogue here uh, about politics and the pulpit and how the priests and the seminaries and the seminarians in formation should not broach the any issues related to politics and i'm not saying candidacy promotion just issues right yeah they're all of the of the uh, mindset that um as these priests are being formed these soon to be priests that they should avoid all of these uh touchy issues basically not inform your people so if i was a shepherd if i was king david i'm and i know i had this information and i didn't share it with with information with the people to help protect my flock mm. or my flock themselves right this information the wolf is coming um let's move you know and, the, and the, the, the sheep hear my voice they know my voice they move with me i mean i mean that's what we'll be held accountable for joe i think before almighty god mm. one day it is difficult and it is confusing. I've, I too have had several conversations with my wife and kids after a mass to be able to clarify, you know, it's impromptu Bible study. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll come home for lunch and we're like, all right, bring your Bibles to the table. We're going to have ourselves a conversation and it becomes a teachable moment. But I got to say, you know, um, there's a, the story we heard, uh, the Cardinal Gregory in Washington, D.C. has said, hey, I'm going to be giving, uh, Joe Biden a communion. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not a cardinal of the church, but I got to be honest. That is confusing to me. Why? Because, uh, Joe Biden has made it very clear that he supports abortion, uh, that yeah. he is in the pocket of Planned Parenthood. And, uh, he also, uh, has officiated at, uh, quote, same sex marriages, unquote. And so he supports grave and moral evils that as the church, we say, you can't and shouldn't. These are bad things always and every time. They're intrinsic evil because there's never an occasion where they are good or can be used for good. So uh, he's admittedly and publicly professed these things. Why would we, I mean, St. Ambrose, he excommunicated the emperor of Rome uh, uh, at the time, right? So it's like, why are we doing this? That's confusing to me. 
I don't understand. I just really wish that I could send this little video clip to every bishop in the world today and say, you have an opportunity to show incredible courage in the midst of grave difficulty, and it will inspire the faithful. Like this little video clip from a movie that we don't even know about inspires us. Um, right. Five minutes left to go on the clock. Uh, the King's Men, Mark Houck, what say you? Well, I would say this. I mean, our prayer life should lead us to these things that you just talked about. Our prayer life should help us grow in that cardinal virtue of fortitude. Princes of the church today, you know, some are, some are of, the, of a different approach than you just mentioned. Cardinal Burke would say excommunication 100%. It's medicinal. It is for the good of the person, the soul. We're not trying to be uh, uncharitable. It's actually out of charity that we offer this type of uh, approach to, to the sacraments because of the grave matter. So, you know, when it comes to these things, you know, we need to pray more for, for our bishops. We need to pray more for yeah, amen. Uh, our pope. We need to pray more for priests to have those courage to have that courage that you mentioned. Um, but I, when you when they showed me that video, I was reminded of Carol Wojtyla, who was serving at a mass uh, when he was a, a young man, uh, soon to be in the seminary, and the Nazis were were banging on the door of the of the church. I don't know whether it was the cathedral or not, but in uh, in Krakow, and him and the priest mm. finished the mass while everyone else ran away. And once the the, the mass was over, they hightailed it out of there as well. But it just reminded me of, of uh, under the Iron Curtain, you know, how that was uh, more commonplace. And, uh, and as you said, it just played itself out beautifully in the life of, of St. John Paul II. Yeah, amen. St. Jose Sanchez del Rio, when he was yeah, captured man, yeah. by the Mexican Federal Army, he was put into a makeshift uh, prison, which was a church, the church he was baptized in, right. and held there for seven days. They were taunting him and trying to get him to recant his faith, and they had the uh, they turned it into a horse stable and That's a right. barracks for the soldiers, and the soldiers brought in fighting uh Fighting uh, cocks or chickens, whatever chickens, they are, yeah. and yeah. Uh, he was so dis- he was so d- disgusted that they would turn the sanctuary of God into this barn that he asked he feigned to go to the restroom when they let him out. He chased the chickens down and cracked their necks, and uh, he said, "You cannot." And they were so mad at him for killing their prize fighting chickens. He's like, "This is the sanctuary of God. This is a thirteen year old boy doing this against soldiers." Yeah. Uh, the opportunity for cur- heroic courage is upon us, but uh, we're just about out of time across the Guadalupe radio network side of our program today uh we will be going into the after show on uh facebook and twitter and youtube here in just a little bit you'll be able to join us on that conversation it's a more free-flowing conversation just find us at grn online uh, mark Kalk, uh thanks for being on with us for the radio side yes uh, thank you the kingsmen.org it's always good to have you on Good, good. I look forward to the after show. All right. Thanks praise Jesus. Hold that thought. Check out thekingsmen.org. Share that with your family and your friends. It's an excellent Catholic men's apostolate doing wonderful work. I've been, uh, it's been a joy to be a volunteer for that organization for many years. Uh, please help us to spread the word about that. I want to thank our team here, Tim Mott. I want to say it's his final ever news read for GRN 11 Monday, unless he's going to come on on his day off, which I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't blame him if he didn't. But uh, Brent Haynes, uh, our legal analyst, was on with us. Teresa Kamara, Janelle, video switching, and Adrian Fonseca producing. God bless you. We'll see you for the very final episode. We'll blow the whole thing up on December the 7th. Join us for that next week. Until then, may God richly bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. 
from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take... Are you wanting to learn more about your faith? Do you need a local, reliable source for books faithful to the Magisterium? Sacred Heart Books and Gifts is the place for you. Located at the northwest corner of Coit and Campbell Road in far north Dallas, Sacred Heart has everything you need from gifts for everyone in your family, books for all ages, and beautiful religious art. You can reach them at 972-250-2100 or you can stay up to date on fun upcoming events at the store by visiting their website, sacredheartdallas.com. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen. 